You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, South Bay Church. This is Steve Marici coming to you from Torrance. Wanted to uh, take the opportunity to uh, give a shout out to our moms out there. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, in particular, I've got a few of them in my life. Wanted to uh, give a shout out to my mom, my adopted mom out in uh, the St. Gabriel Valley, Marianne Gansert. Happy Mother's Day to uh, my mother-in-law, Mom B, Mom Dickens out in the San Gabriel Valley. Uh, super grateful uh, for both of you. And I uh, just wanted to uh, acknowledge my biological mom, uh, Marilyn Guthy, who passed away several years ago. Had the opportunity to be reunited with my biological family a couple decades ago. Uh, my wife, happy Mother's Day to uh, Jerry Ham. My sister-in-law, happy Mother's Day to you as well. And then my uh, half-sisters back east, uh, Kathleen and Joanne, wanted to uh, wish you guys both a happy Mother's Day as well. Well, we're uh, continuing in our uh, series for, out of First Peter. And uh, if you're visiting with us today, you're our honored guest. Great to have you here. Uh, looking forward to uh, having the opportunity to connect with you in person once we get beyond this uh, COVID thing and whatever stage it is that they allow churches to meet together again. But uh, it's great to have you here this morning. Uh, as you, uh, if you're on um, either Facebook or YouTube, which I guess would be the two places you are today, uh, there's uh, the ability to interact with us digitally there. Uh, if you'd like more information on the church, uh, you can find our website, southbaychurch.us. And there's several other aspects of that that you'll see in the uh, chat stream as you proceed through the service today. But again, welcome. Great to have you here today. Uh, as most of you know, again, we're in 1 Peter. Uh, Brian Craig took us through 1 Peter 3 last week helping us to see the need to submit ourselves to Christ, uh, how to live in a way that's pleasing to God, regardless of our situations or surroundings, whatever it is that may be going on, and uh, to strive to become more Christ-like. Uh, one of the takeaways for me was he focused on when it comes to our conduct and what Jesus did and how he conducted himself in the same way as, uh, just thinking through, again, it's, it's something that can be kind of used to death, but what would Jesus do? Really thinking through how I can live in a way that is similar to Christ so that people can see God in me. Um, you know, we can, with that, when we really conduct ourselves that way, we can have an amazing impact in our community. So I wanted to thank Brian for last week. And, um, you know, just uh, for me personally, it was a pretty good week last week. Uh, we had the opportunity to uh, get out to our neighborhoods, uh, wearing our masks, but uh, Jacqueline had this great idea of putting together these uh, COVID kits that consisted of, you know, the, the things can be a little bit more challenging to get these days. Uh, toilet paper, paper towels, hand sanitizer, gloves, uh, mask, and uh, eggs. So we distributed that to all of our neighbors and got some great responses back from them. Everybody's looking forward to our uh, barbecue whenever we get that up and going here when this pandemic slows down and we've leveled off. But uh, with that, wanted to move forward here. Uh, we're going to be continuing our series today out of 1 Peter 4. And uh, verses 1 through 11, uh, it starts out with reminders about living for God. You know, it being a positive influence for those that are around us. Um, also talks about the need for hospitality, to, just to hit a few of the concepts in those first 11 voices. But because I've recently addressed hospitality, um, you know, and I've covered the aspect of getting people into our homes and what that looks like. I'm not going to spend any time on those first few verses today, but we're going to pick it up in verse 12, if you would turn there with me. 1 Peter 4, verse 12. 
Now, verses 12 through 19 are about suffering. And uh, I know, I know, um, you may be thinking, okay, suffering on Mother's Day? Uh, it's not really a Mother's Day subject, but hang in there with me because I believe God reaches out to us in many different ways, and he can use many things, including suffering, to help us to grow and mature and become ultimately more like his son. Um, so with that, just thinking this through, we know Peter um, kind of was all over the map. The Apostle Peter, uh, there were times where he was dead on with his perspective of things and was being highly commended by Christ, and there were other times that he had his issues. But I think we look back at Peter's life uh, during the ministry of Christ and following uh, Jesus' resurrection in heaven, we'll see that Peter suffered greatly uh, for his Christian faith. You know, the words we have before us this morning were shaped in a blast furnace of Peter's own personal affliction and pain. Uh, God changed him, this vacillating, stubborn, impulsive, self-confident apostle into the rock through the things that ultimately he suffered for Christ. And suffering and glory are, are both suffering and glory are two truths that are woven into this fabric or tapestry that we call life, especially the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, this isn't something that should be surprising since suffering and glory ultimately walk hand in hand. You know, you think about this. We don't see a lot of it on TV these days, but in the realm of sports, is there any aspect of sports that you can really excel at without some degree of suffering involved? Um, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, there's all kinds of training that goes into it. Uh, track and field, um, nothing takes place. There's no victory that comes out of any of those things without a lot of hard work. And with that, sometimes setbacks. There can be muscle tears, there can be injuries, there can be broken bones, uh, concussions. But through all that, without suffering, there can come glory. And not to have the suffering means ultimately not to have glory. Uh, if there's no cross, there's no crown. So at times as Christians, I think we can be a little surprised or maybe even shocked when trials or challenges or any form of suffering comes into our lives. And there's a popular theology that many teaches, uh, churches teach that when it comes to being a Christian, if you're a Christian, you're going to be blessed. And there aren't ever going to be any challenges. The sun always shines upon good Christians, that our grass is always green, and suffering doesn't come to those who have faith. But ultimately, and we see this with Peter, Peter teaches us that this is just not true. In fact, Christians will offer suffer for doing good. 1 Peter 3, verse 17 reads, It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. So we personally shouldn't be surprised when challenging trials come our way. Christ suffered, will suffer. As a matter of fact, Jesus tells us in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Now, when it comes to suffering, a lot of times suffering is something that is brought on by our own decisions or choices. Um, you know, I, I can look back personally at any number of decisions that I've made in my life uh, that were not in accordance with what God established. And there were repercussions. Um, and maybe it was, maybe it was a setback in my relationship with my wife. Maybe it was a setback with my kids because of not conducting myself in a way that was godly. And 
even when it comes to health issues, sometimes that can be brought on by what we eat, not exercising. So there are decisions that we make that can honestly bring on suffering. Oftentimes suffering just seems to, I, you know, when you think this through, has a way of finding its way into our lives no matter what anyways. Uh, it could be in the form of a health issue. It could be money. It could be challenges at job, challenges in school, um, issues in our marriage or our relationships. You name it, it can find us. And I think one of the things that we'll see this morning is we read through the New Testament, we see that Christians have faced trials and have suffered for their faith from the beginning of the church. And ultimately will continue to do so until Jesus comes again to take us home to heaven. So as we see in 1 Peter 4, in verse 12, one of the things I think we need to understand and just acknowledge this morning is in this life, we are to expect suffering. Verse 12 reads, Dear friends, don't be surprised or shocked that you're going through testing that is like walking through fire. You know, in this section, Peter's addressing the believers, the, the disciples of Jesus Christ, you know, he talks about how we're his friends, and as friends of Christ, we should not be surprised when suffering comes our way. Having our sins forgiven through the waters of baptism doesn't exempt us from trouble. And we can expect the Christian life to be flow of blessing, for it is, but it's also full of challenges. The world, in a lot of instances, takes offense at the Word of God. And with or without God, just we've got to understand trials are an inescapable part of this life, but as born-again disciples, we shouldn't think it's strange when we go through trials. And I think the thing that's super encouraging for me is in the midst of those, before I became a Christian, I was trying to figure out how to manage them on my own. And I didn't do a real good job. But as a disciple, we've got unity within our fellowship. We have our brothers and sisters, some of which have gone through the very trials that we are currently going through. And they can give us input and direction on how to get through it. Um, the bottom line is we've got God to turn to. And we know that Jesus Christ, as we saw earlier, he overcame the world. He rose from the dead. And we've got that guarantee for ourselves as saved disciples that heaven awaits us. So thinking that through, sometimes we can, we can get caught up in the why me's. Why me? Why am I going through this particular challenge or trial? Um, and the right question ultimately should be not why me, but why not? If suffering loosens sin's grip on us and causes us to see us differently, if it keeps us focused on eternity and frees us up to be ultimately a light in our communities, why shouldn't we embrace it as a necessary part of growth in our Christian walk? Some trials are brief. Those are the ones I enjoy the most because uh, being suffering from attention deficit, I forget those very quickly. Uh, fire tr fiery trials, though, are you know, something that's a little bit more intense. It's an intense ordeal. The word fiery is also used when it comes to a furnace that is used to purge metal of dross, to get rid of the impurities, so that when that metal is hammered into shape and those impurities are gone, it's much stronger than it would have been in its original condition. You know, it's possible or likely that some of Peter's Christians' brothers and sisters were going through intense politically sanctioned persecution. You know, you think about it, the, the Jews were, especially the Jewish leaders of the day, they were threatened by this new group of believers. They were afraid of losing their Jewish followers to this new cult. And ultimately, they, uh, they got together with the Romans to try and eradicate the Christians. So, you know, I think when we think this through, the trial of the disciple is like that refining process when it comes to fire and metal 
and purification. It's like the work of a blacksmith. Uh, the intent is to improve the value of the material involved, that metal, not to destroy the metal, but make it better. And God ultimately knows what it takes to transform us into Christ's likeness. You know, years ago, I read a story about a blacksmith who had trusted Jesus Christ as his savior. And while he was working at his anvil, he was confronted by an inquiring unbeliever. Why is it you've had so much trouble, said the man. I've watched you since you became a Christian, and you've had a lot of problems. I thought when a person gave himself to God, troubles were over. A smile came across the blacksmith's face as he replied, Do you see this piece of steel? I'm going to use it for the springs of a carriage. But first it needs to be heated. Then I hammer it, I bend it, and I shape it in the way that I want it. Sometimes, however, I find that the steel is too brittle to be used, so I have to throw it on the scrap heap. As scrap, the steel is worth just a few pennies, but as a carriage spring, it's very valuable. Ever since I began applying this idea to my life, I've been saying to God, Lord, test me in any way you choose, but don't throw me on the scrap heap. You know, it's, it's an amazing analogy in looking at how that blacksmith worked his metal, how God ultimately works us in our character. When God in his grace saves us, it's for a very special purpose. He wants us to live for him so others may see his image in us. Just like through Christ, they were able to see God through Jesus. In Matthew 5, verse 16, in the uh, CEV version, contemporary English version of the Bible, it says, make your light shine so that others will see the good that you do and will praise your Father in heaven. So when it comes to times of testing and trial, God uses those things to prepare us for his service. Just as the blacksmith formed that piece of steel to make a carriage spring, God may allow hardship to temper us on the anvil of life. And I don't know about you, I'd much rather be that valuable spring than a useless piece of scrap. So as Christians, we should expect suffering. God is molding us into a useful, valuable, Christ-like disciple of Jesus. I think one of the other things that we need to understand when it comes to suffering is we're blessed through suffering. Let's go ahead and continue in 1 Peter 4, verse 13. 1 Peter 4, verse 13, it says, Be glad for the chance to suffer as Christ suffered. It will prepare you for even greater happiness when he makes his glorious return. Count it a blessing when you suffer for being a Christian. This shows that God's glorious spirit is with you. So we can see here as believers who share in the sufferings of Christ, we're encouraged in verse 13 to be glad about this potential for transformation that accompanies trials. Suffering and glory are the twin truths woven into the fabric of Christian life. Christian suffering and eternal glory ultimately walk hand in hand. So really understanding this, the biblical definition of glory is seen in the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means weighty or substantial. You know, glory is kind of like a, well, think about what your favorite cut of meat is. Mine's a nice, thick, juicy ribeye steak. And then think about cotton candy for a minute. Glory is like that ribeye. Cotton candy, on the other hand, uh, you know, you can sink your teeth into that meat, but cotton candy is something that's kind of fluffy with no real substance. It's just sugar composed, or ultimately composed, cotton candy is composed of sugar and air. Not a whole lot to it. So when it comes to glory, if you go all the way back to the garden, man was originally clothed with this substantial glory or the substantive reality of God. When Adam sinned, 
that glory, the Shabbat, departed him, leaving him empty and exposed. Genesis 3, verse 7. Yet, according to 1 Peter uh, 4, verse 13, the day is coming when our suffering will be translated into glory for all eternity. So suffering allows us to experience glory. In John 16, verse 21, Jesus gives this amazing illustration concerning suffering. And he reminds us that after a mother endures the pain of childbearing, once that baby is, is put within her arms, it's amazing how she forgets about the agony that she's gone through and the suffering that she went through. And ultimately the birth of that baby is transformed into this amazing glory. You know, that same baby that, that caused pain brings joy. Uh, we, have, we, we make this transition from these, pain, these tears of pain to tears of joy. I, I remember when Jacqueline had our first son, Stephen, being in the hospital. You know, many of you know Jackie. She's, she's majorly tough. Um, both births, no, no meds, no painkiller. And, you know, needless to say, there was a little bit of that pain going on as Stephen was being born. But the, the, the transition from the visceral aspect of the pain and everything that was going on to uh, and the tears of pain to these incredible tears of joy as she embraced our son. It was just amazing that you could go through this transition so quickly. So again, getting back to suffering, the heartache, the setback or difficulty that may be causing you pain and agony right now, if you allow it to, that's the very thing that can ultimately bring you joy. So there's a coming uh, a day when the glory of God, as the scripture tells us, will be revealed and on that day, we'll rejoice and we'll give God thanks for the privilege of being his and being able to suffer for his son, Jesus Christ. In James 1, verse 12, it reads, James 1, verse 12, says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So the New Testament is real clear that those who take part in the suffering of Christ will also take part in his glory when it's revealed. Apocalypse, uh, 1 Peter 1, 7, 1 Peter 5, verse 1. And, so, and again, just really understanding that ultimately that's what can be the onset of pain, challenges, agony. Ultimately, getting through that suffering glorifies God and brings us glory as well. Verse 14 teaches us to count it as a blessing when you suffer for being a Christian. You know, this shows that God's spirit is with us. Uh, the paradox of living through dying and receiving glory through suffering is how we are blessed through suffering. Anything that we suffer of Christ is a privilege. It's not a penalty. And, you know, when it, when it comes to the world, this is a radically contrary perspective on everything the world and our flesh tells us. You know, I can think if I don't have to suffer and go through trials, life will be amazing. Well, it's not true, and all we've got to do is look to the names and conjure up the names of, the, of you know, the, the various wealthy families that are out there in the world that you may know. You know, check out the lifestyles of the rich and famous and see if their lives are without tragedy. The world says that wealth and the absence of suffering brings glory. God's word says the presence of suffering brings glory. And uh, this is the thing that's really key for us in that in our fallen condition, being able to differentiate clearly between what is truly good and what is bad. You know, what we think is suffering and pain 
is actually what stretches our faith. It's the very thing that builds our character and ultimately brings us joy and glory. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, if you'll turn with me, Hebrews 12, verse 2, with that door closing behind me, um, I got a little bit of a jolt there. I don't think I need any caffeine here for the rest of the day. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says, We must keep our eyes on Jesus, who leads us and makes our faith complete. He endured the shame of, the, of being nailed to the cross because he knew that later on he would be glad that he did. Now he is seated at the right side of God, on God's, of God's throne. So Jesus, through his suffering, Jesus was exalted. Jesus was elevated. Jesus endured the cross because he knew it was the cross that would bring joy and glory into his life and into our lives. So in the pain and the suffering of the cross, joy, healing, redemption, hope, peace, glory, all of those things were ushered into the world at that point in time, which is amazing. Through his suffering, we have those things. So as I said earlier, there are times our suffering is because of choices we've made and it's deserved suffering you know, suffering of consequence, and it's because it's been earned. And Peter talks about that in 1 Peter 4.15. He reminds us that some suffer as a result of sinful behavior. You deserve to suffer if you're a murderer, a thief, or a busybody. But when you suffer unjustly, our tendency is to strike back. And Peter stressed that persecution was no excuse for lawlessness. Christians were not to retaliate. 1 Peter 3, verse 9, it says, Don't be hateful and insult people just because they are hateful and insult you. Instead, treat everyone with kindness. 1 Peter 4, verse 14 says, 1 Peter 4, verse 14, Count it a blessing when you suffer for being a Christian. This shows that God's glorious spirit is with you. And this type of suffering, suffering because you were a disciple of Jesus, God says that that type of suffering is a blessing and the spirit or glory of God rest on you. You know, I look at our brother, uh, Mofitom in uh, Lebanon. They've been going through a very challenging time. Um, they were already in the midst of major economic strife and a political upheaval uh, going way back to October of last year. And then this COVID situation kicked in with the crazy inflation. Uh, there's a, an amazing lack of food that's available for everybody over there. Yet through all that suffering, he's had his daughter baptized into Christ. And the most amazing thing took place just yes, uh, day before yesterday. His mother, who he's been reaching out to for 23 years, just made Jesus Christ Lord of her life and was baptized into Christ. So even in the midst of suffering, God delivers these amazing victories. I'm sure he was absolutely blown away that if someone had told him, okay, you know, we're going to have this pandemic and there's going to be all these challenges and your mom's going to become a Christian, you know, would he have even believed it? But that's how amazing God is and that's how he uses these situations. And if you're a guest with us today and you're not sure about your relationship with God or what eternity looks like for you, please get in contact with whoever gave you the link to our, our, our live stream here this morning so that you have the opportunity to have that degree of clarity and to allow that suffering that maybe has been taking place in your life to be something that turns into personal glory for you. You know, in Acts 5, verse 27, the, um, uh, this was after the resurrection of Christ. Acts 2, we know, is when the church was ushered in on the day of Pentecost. Uh, the apostles have been out preaching the word and getting their share of grief and persecution because of it. And in this particular passage, 
says the apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in, in this name, he said, in the name of Christ. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you're determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. So is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So through this, more and more, I think for us personally today, we see our Christian practices and beliefs being attacked. I mean, you look at this country, it was founded on freedom of religion, and yet it keeps getting more and more challenging. There's more and more things that we used to be able to do that we can't do. I mean, they got rid of prayer in schools. Um, right now, just even during this, this COVID situation, uh, it's amazing what's considered essential and not essential. I don't know about you, this kind of interaction, being able to get into God's word, talk to other people about Christ, it's essential for my sanity, honestly, and my personal well-being. Yet we can see that, you know, meeting together, and I understand it from a health standpoint, but, you know, it's, it's amazing. Every time something gets taken away, it never gets replaced. So we just got to be careful and that we live in a day and age today where Christianity is under attack. And as we live out the Bible, as we truly live, as Jesus lived, suffering for the, for the gospel will ultimately come. And we need to be careful. The Bible tells us that we are exiles and foreigners on this planet in 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12. So we also need to be careful that we don't get caught up in this world, uh, the comfortability that can come living in a first world nation. Uh, to the point that we're ashamed of the gospel. We don't open our mouths. We don't make it available to other people. And, you know, I, I just want to put it out there. I'm afraid that some of us have maybe gotten a little bit too comfortable. And we've lost sight of our home in heaven, which is ultimately what we're striving for. And with that, letting others know, uh, this need to let others know about Jesus Christ. But no matter whatever the circumstances that we're involved with today, let's make sure we live as Jesus did. Let's go ahead and... Uh, Go back to uh, the book of Acts here. So during that period of time, Jesus' disciples, they had infuriated the religious leaders of the day. Uh, ultimately, the members of the Sanhedrin, they wanted them dead. Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, was a little concerned that when it came to Peter and John, what if these guys were legit? What if they really were from the Messiah? And with that, he convinced the Sanhedrin to let them go. In verse 40, let's pick it up there, verse 40 of chapter 5. It says, <clears throat> his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles, the apostles in, and they had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering, disgrace for the name of Christ. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, to me, this is amazing. You know, you have this religious leader that's thinking, okay, maybe we're on the wrong side of this thing. Let the, we need to let these guys go. But it was after they flogged them and told them they couldn't preach the gospel anymore. Yeah, what did they do? They, they got right back out there and started going after teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus Christ is the Messiah again. So there's no shame in suffering for being a Christian. First Peter 4.19, 
as we close this out here, says in verse 19, So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So let's not seek out suffering just for the sake of suffering, okay? Uh, but let's not try to avoid suffering either. Instead, let's keep living a righteous life regardless of what suffering may come our way and what that suffering may bring. God chose us to build incredible lives as testimonial of his love, grace, and mercy to be seen by those around us. You know, we, we've got to be excited about that. As baptized disciples, baptized Christians, our sins are forgiven, and God is showing this amazing degree of love and grace and mercy that was poured out to us from the cross. Let's continue to do good. Let's continue to preach the good news. Let's continue to live our lives in a way that glorifies God and that others in our community can see there's something different about this person that I'm working with. There's something different about this person I'm going to school with. There seems to be this degree of peace or hope or I can't even put my finger on it. There's something different about them. And that will be that opportunity. That will be that light that gets them to want to know what it is that we're about, what it is that's going on, why it is that we're different. And remember, what God has done for each of us, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So in closing, no matter your situation, no matter what you're going through individually or collectively, and this applies to all of us right now, I know in a lot of ways, um, I'm getting a little itchy to get back out and about. You know, I think we're all suffering from a little bit of cabin fever. But it doesn't give us the right to negate what our governing authorities have told us to do. The Bible's real clear on that. We need to really strive for temperance, for patience, and realize we serve an amazing God who's got this. As it, as it says in John 16, verse 33, this is our final scripture this morning. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There's going to be situations, there's going to be stuff, but how much better for us to be able to walk hand in hand with Christ, knowing that on Judgment Day, we'll be hearing from God, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, at this time, I've got two incredible sisters that are a part of our South Bay Church family, uh, mother and daughter, Crystal and Ashka, who are going to share what the cross means to them. And then after they're done, I'm going to come back and I'm going to pray for communion. Church, we miss, we miss you, you. <laughs> and happy Mother's, happy Day. Mother's Day. So we're going to be sharing about what the cross means to us, and my mom's going to start us off. Okay. Um, for me, when thinking about um, the cross and what it means to me, a lot of things come to mind, but one thing that definitely resonates with me is unconditional love. Um, as a parent, I can't even imagine doing what God did for me, the sacrifice he made because he loves me, not because... I didn't think to deserve it, but simply because he loves me. For many people, love can be conditional depending on the relationship. We feel like we have to earn love. We might feel like we have to act or do certain things to gain someone's love. But God loves us no matter what. And he doesn't just love, he is love. He is the very definition of unconditional love. I know that when I think about my sin and how um, it affects me, I feel like I'm disappointing God or not living up to his expectations for me and I can get down on myself, but I do find comfort in the fact that God loves me for me 
and it never changes. He loves me despite of all my sin, failures, and mistakes. He is always there for me, and because of his love and sacrifice, he gives me the opportunity to grow and change each and every day. I want to leave you with this scripture, um, Psalms 103, 8, 11. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he <clears throat> harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our inequities. So when I think about the cross, um, it's definitely something that is so personal between you and, and God. Um, it can mean different things to different people. Um, but for me, um, I think it's a choice that was definitely made in love. Um, one of my favorite books is called The Shack. And the main character, Mac, there's a part in the book where um, he's talking to the Holy Spirit. And he's telling him to make a choice between his two kids... Um, one to go to heaven and one who's going to go to hell. And Matt can't make the decision. And so he begs the Holy Spirit, please let me go in their place. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and the Holy Spirit tells him, he's like, now you sound like Jesus. Because that's how Jesus felt um, about us. How he feels about us. Um, so the cross for me is a reminder of how much um, Jesus loves me. Um, to die that horrible death that... I don't have to suffer for eternity, um, and it's something I definitely try to hold on to uh, daily to remind me that um, through my actions, I need to bring glory to that sacrifice, and I need to show that some same kind of love and devotion to God, and when I don't hold on to that reminder, I can be more inwardly focused and the things that I need or how other people can serve me. Um, I think that's why my hope trips to South Africa and India are so dear to my heart because at those times I can especially feel the love um, that Jesus um, showed love to others and um, being able to help people who tend to get overlooked or forgotten about and show them that they are loved. Um, it's definitely shown me how I can make an impact on people's lives and there's so many things we can do even right here in our own neighborhood um, in everyday life, but it's making that choice to love deeply and show it with action. Um, thank you for letting us share today. Um, we look forward to being with you guys. I miss giving hugs, so I'm coming for all of you. <laughs> <laughs> miss you guys. Bye. Bye. I just really want to thank Crystal and Ashika for uh, just the incredible job they've done sharing their lives with us and the impact of Jesus Christ in their lives. Let's go ahead and bow and pray for the communion. Father, thank you so much for this time together here this morning. Uh, very, very grateful that I can call on you as my father uh, to know that you're in heaven, uh, that nothing escapes you. And when it comes to even the things that we're going through now, you know how this closes out. You know the final chapter. You know what this will look like when we come out of this pandemic. And Father, more than anything, I just pray and, and I know that for each of us as Christians, if we rely on you, we're prepared, we're ready. And it doesn't matter what comes our way, what curveballs life may throw us. Uh, you are our foundation. Uh, as I preached on Easter, Jesus Christ is our rock. He's our foundation. And with that, we'll have the ability to deal with anything that comes our way, be able to conquer and overcome any of the challenges that we have in our lives, ultimately knowing that we'll be able to spend eternity with you in heaven. Uh, again, thank you for Jesus. We're, we're so grateful for this opportunity in communion to focus on uh, three years of his ministry and what he was willing to do 
right down to dying on a cross so that we'd have the opportunity for this relationship with you. So as we take the bread and the fruit of the vine this morning, I pray that we can pause, uh, as it talks about in Thessalonians, and demonstrate gratitude for this incredible, amazing gift that was given to us, even though we didn't deserve it. Father, thank you again for this time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 